we should start off with some breaking news about something that happened a long time ago in Tag Ferreira. Yeah, a new series coming Fucked out, up. Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that new mob movie? It's called Goodfellas. <clears throat> it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Poor bastard. We're all over him. <laughs> <laughs> sports fan has an opinion well these are ours ours welcome to brock and pep's unsportsmanlike convo and here are your hosts brock fleming and pep cariotti good evening ladies and gentlemen october 5th 2021 a beautiful tuesday evening I'm your host, Brock Fleming, and as usual, on the other side of me is P-Dog Cariotti. How you doing, Pep? I'm good, man. <laughs> How you doing? Well, uh... <laughs> It's been a long... So the Jays lost <clears throat> yesterday sad it's uh they're out we're going to discuss it today but it was a long day no jays there we're excited for an al showdown tonight eight o'clock boston yankees wild card one game play in should be really exciting we'll discuss it um It's been a long Your Steelers day. lost. Oh, yeah. Again. Um, yeah, that, they did not look good either. Um, same old problems plaguing them. <laughs> <laughs> so, bro, we're trying, guys, we're trying to keep a straight face when we play that song. Kind of like the guy on uh, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon's uh, musician dude there when he tries to keep his face uh, straight from laughing. <laughs> just can't do it. Can't do it. We're going to try our best moving forward here, but. That song just, it's supposed to choke us up, not make us laugh. Uh, uh. My Gators lost to the University of Kentucky. <clears throat> oh my goodness, I just lost it there. I apologize. Um, That's good. That's an upset, eh? That's an upset. It's an upset. Kentucky, well, Kentucky's good. Like, Kentucky was 4-0 at the time. They actually went from unranked to now they're ranked in the top 25. They're at 16. But they're, again, undefeated, a team that Florida has beaten in Kentucky 38 straight years in a row or something. Um, <clears throat> and they came out, and Kentucky played really well. And shout-out to one of my old teammates with the Alouettes, Anwar Stewart. He's the D-line coach for Kentucky. And, um, I mean, his guys came to play. They are actually really, really good in the box. And my glasses are fogging up even on this right now. <laughs> um, but his, yeah, his guys were phenomenal. They were stopping the run, and they only had five, maybe six in the box. So um, they did a lot of things right. <clears throat> a classic letdown by my Gators, you know, uh, right around that, you know, Bama. They're getting ready for Georgia in a couple weeks. You know, it's, it's really easy to sort of like overlook some of these, these games and it bit them in the butt. That being said... It was upset week. Oregon lost to Stanford. They they dropped out. I mean, Syracuse lost to Florida State. Now, is that a huge upset? Florida State sucks. So the fact that they beat Syracuse. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame at home. Yeah, Cincinnati was ranked a little bit higher, but ultimately you beat Notre Dame it's at home. It's a big home. win for Cincy. It's that's a, a great – that's probably the biggest yeah. win in their 
not a franchise, but in their school history. And now yeah, they're sure. in top five. They're the fifth right now. Mm-hmm. And obviously Iowa and Penn State in the the uh, they're playing this weekend, and it's actually going to be a number three versus number four matchup. So there's some really good football coming up, but there were some good upsets, and that's again why I love college football. Yeah, I uh, I'm starting to feel the uh, the college football energy only because, like you said, every game really counts, and you know one one game can cost you your season, can cost you the, the, a chance to play for the title, and you don't see that in any other sport. Maybe outside of football, like every loss in the NFL really does matter. But not to the degree of of uh, not even close to the degree of college. But I mean, no. I think but. that's where that's for me. That's where that, well, baseball's history has always been like that. But that's where basketball and hockey really dropped the ball. I think when it comes to the importance of game forty-two, nobody cares. No one's going to go out and watch the Ottawa Senators on a cold, stormy February night to watch the Minnesota Wild come to town. Uh, both teams under 500. No one's paying a dime for that because the game doesn't mean a thing. It's all about development. And, uh, you know, I, it, yep. these teams spin it and they paint it in such a way that, hey, come watch us. We'll entertain you with what? Spartacat? With, Spartacat. Uh, some, some shirtless gladiator whose microphone keeps cutting out. Like, the games don't matter halfway through the season when a team is out of it. That's what, what I find disappointing. At least in college, if a team is like 3-3, three and three, and they walk into, I don't know, they walk into LSU and beat LSU and wipe them clean. That's a huge win for that franchise. It's huge. Or for that for that school. So they're playing for something. Huge win, anyway. and they could play spoiler. You know, yeah, you beat exactly. something like that. Yeah. The only thing that gets me to a Sens game, three words, submarine bazooka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you start, boom, those big foot-long subs, 18 uh, rows up. Yeah, sign me look, up. I, I, we should be supporting uh, lo- our local uh, local sports teams, you know, in terms of attendance. And I'm I I'm all for. If you like hockey, go spend your money on the Sens. There's better. There's worse things to spend your money on. Spend your money on local. If you like go hockey, go Blacks. spend it. But, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm not entertained to, unless the Habs are in town, a team that I root for, or if it's the blue team versus uh, Ottawa, maybe. You know, maybe a Calgary or Edmonton, something like that. But I'm not going to see Minnesota Wild. I'm not going to go see the Columbus Blue Jackets unless it's free. <laughs> like, honestly. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's a tough weekend, guys. It's been a long I coach football today, and uh, we had our first game, 10 o'clock in the morning. We got our butts handed to us. <laughs> yeah, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, helping Coach wow. St. Joe's. I was working with uh, Val St. Germain and I were doing the O-line. And oh. uh, <clears throat> Val's kid, actually, who's grade nine, is the starting quarterback. And we played St. Mark's, I think, out of Manatick. And they're a, a senior team, I think. I think they're all grade 11 and 12s. And Ashton, who's our the starting quarterback, is a grade nine. Anyway, we put up a decent fight, but it was, uh, yeah, it was not pretty. It's overmatched. Val St. Germain, in case that name sounds familiar to our listeners, he did play for the uh, Ottawa Renegades for a few years. The Renegades, the Hamilton around. Tiger Cats, the Saskatchewan yeah. Rough Riders. He's got a couple great cup rings there hanging around. You know what? He he uh, had a good long career. And uh, uh, a guy that I think if most people see in uh, the public who uh, followed CFL through the 2000s, wouldn't, he's easily recognizable and a happy guy. Yeah, he's got a monster noggin. It's easy to pick that out. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's uh, that's right. the end of the. Hey, did we just get? I think we just got this in. Mike Ferrer just told us about a show coming out that we should check out. 
The Sopranos, apparently, <laughs> the TV series is starting on HBO sometime 20 years ago. Anyway, this just in. Okay, so. <laughs> Mike Ferreira, for those of you who are listening, is uh, one of our followers, and he's notorious. God bless him. He's a busy guy. God bless him. But he's notorious for, for sharing uh, a story that may have happened a few days prior that I think that most of us are already all aware of. <laughs> a few days, a, yeah. It's all good, Mikey. You know what? You shoot your shots. And if maybe somebody didn't know, hey, maybe maybe nobody yeah. knew that Pacquiao had, had retired. I didn't yeah, know. Muhammad Ali yeah. retired too. But anyway, it's, <laughs> it's we're moving God bless you, Mikey. I hope you're not listening right now. Uh, okay, let's get right. into the Jays talk. Let us. All right. I don't need to do the sad music again, do I? Of course you do. Oh, yeah. Because you're bringing right. in Mike, aren't you? That's right. I'm going to bring you in, Mikey. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come along. This one for the homies. <laughs> Somber day, gentlemen. Somber day. Mikey, hey. how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Good. You guys? Well, hey. Very well. We're glad that you're here to talk to little Jays with us because it was uh, post mortem. Hey, man, it was tough. I, you know, I, I had a bad feeling about the weekend, despite the fact that the Jays destroyed the Orioles. I just, you, you hate relying on other teams to get you in, you, you, and, and in any sport. And that's the Jays, you know, when they went uh, 500 against the Twins and when they, when they lost two out of three to the Yankees, they just set themselves up to have to rely on these two other teams to lose. And I, you just you just can't do that. That's, that'll, it's a learning situation. I don't think they... Uh, you know, I just don't think they stepped up to the plate, no pun intended, uh, when they had to. And uh, it's sad, man. I just feel like the ga- the season's incomplete. I feel like there should be more games. And uh, we'll talk about, you know, some of the impact of uh, not playing at home at their home home, um, how that happened, how that impacted their season. But Joe Sedal, I don't know, I'm sure if you, I'm not sure if you saw the post game uh, immediately after the they found out that the Red Sox had won. Very emotional about. Uh, very emotional about it. And it was actually, it choked me up because it caught me off guard. Um, yeah. Joe Sedal is the uh, Blue Jays. Uh, it's fitting. It's fitting. <laughs> it is fitting. Where is Joe when we need him? Former uh, MLB player and Blue Jay analyst, uh, postgame analyst. He uh, got choked up. So I think we all feel the same way Joe did, don't you think? I'm feeling that way now, uh, just with that music. Uh, <laughs> no, it. it uh, I, I think too, when when you're that close as he is to the team, like he saw the behind the scenes stuff, and uh, like they they never used the, the lack of a home stadium uh, as an excuse. But uh, I you, did. You can imagine, yeah, and and you can imagine after half a year playing all over Florida, Buffalo, mm. uh, and, and sort of never knowing. <laughs> Uh, month to month where you're going to be, that it would take a toll. And you're living out of a suitcase. Your road games feel like, or your home games rather, feel like road games. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's got to be brutal. Uh, and uh, I think it was like something like their win percentage was, you know, 700 at home. And uh, I forget what it was at uh, either. Just uh, the other ones were close to 500, and they were like 24 and 11 at home. Yeah, they yeah. were a game under 500 at Salem, and I think two games over 500 in Dunedin or something, maybe vice versa. But for sure, they were 500 ball on, on at uh, those two venues anyway. 
Yeah. So add that on top of playing in the AL East and uh, and all the other you know things that go with a, a 162 game schedule. Like they they were they had by far the toughest year. Brock, what was your immediate reaction when, when you found out Boston had had come back and won and uh, eliminated the Jays? What was your immediate reaction? Sad sadness. Um. Yeah. Now. Curse, curse had come over. We were flipping through all the games. And what was disappointing was that there were so many little glimpses of hope. You know what I mean? Going up 5-1. And then you're watching you know, Zimmerman's last game with the Nationals, who gets <laughs> up to the plate with bases loaded twice. And you're like, come on, bud. Your, your family's here. Let's do something. He walked one. Great. But let's, let's do something. Wipe the tears away, literally, out of his first at-bat, and let's go. Because at that point... You know, I'm cheering for the Jays. I need them to beat the Red Sox. But you can kind of, as you're watching those games, and we started paying more attention to the Yankees and Red Sox because the Jays had it in the bag, um, you can feel the energy sort of shifting. And it wasn't a spontaneous thing for me. We knew it was coming, that Boston was going to win. And mm. at that point, uh, the Yankees had just walked off too. Although right up to the last last at bat with the the Rays and Yankees it was next run wins and uh, mm-hmm. it could have been anything but do I agree with some of the decisions that the the, the Rays had done at the uh, in the ninth inning there with the um, what's his name judge judge, judge I almost said Jeter judge you say why don't you put him on why don't you like anyway it just seemed it just fell into it and, and we were out, but I saw it kind of coming. And like you said, it's, it's out of our control and that's the worst feeling you can have. I mean, from a blue Jays perspective, you want to have control of it. And as a fan, you want to say, okay, Hey, we can win this and earn our way in. It'd be backdooring it anyway, but still it was, I thought the Rays, I thought the Rays did everything they could to help the Jays. I mean, the Rays don't like the Yankees. Uh, Charlie Montoyo has a connection with Cash and the, the Rays organization. Oh. I thought the Rays, I mean, they did what they had to do. They took the first two, you know, and uh, they almost stole the, the whole series. I mean, they, they couldn't do any more for the Jays than, than sweep the Yankees. And, uh, again, relying on this on the teams to win, it just, it just sucks. Uh, I want, I but want I was to talk sad. About I'll say the last, like, footage of seeing Marcus Simeon in the jersey – that mm. was where I was kind of like disappointed. Like I had the emotions sure. of like, this is likely the last time we're going to see him in a Blue Jay uniform. I know he was only there for a year, but I think he's an integral part of it. We'll discuss this later on. But yeah. that was, for me, was the, I don't know. It brought me back to the Donaldsons and Encarnacion's and Bautistas and all that kind of stuff where you, you sort of know it's the end. You know? Potentially, but uh, I found there was more finality with those guys than there there is with Simeon. I think Simeon's a, literally a fifty-fifty, in my opinion. I have no idea what he's going to do. Uh, you know, you, when you have success, when you play in a team that protects you in the lineup, there's value to that. What someone team gonna gonna pay him? You know, twenty-two million to play second base and slot him in the three spot and not surround him with with good players. I mean, that's he has to think about himself too. And you know, like this might. I don't think this is his last payday. He's still young enough to have another payday after this next contract. So he has to think about it long-term and short-term. But, the, uh, you know, the negatives for this year, in my opinion, were what we discussed. No official home. I thought that was really a big deal. And they, like we said, they played 500 ball in those first two venues. And they played, what, say, Brock, you said 700 ball? Uh, 24 and 11, so whatever that works out to. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, that's a huge difference. And they went on a 7-0 run, I think, there when they, when they first got to the Dome. And um, I thought that was a big deal. 
<clears throat> Mike, too many, they lost too many winnable games in the first half of the season. Yep. And that, that comes back to haunt them. It comes back to haunt them. At the, and we talk about it like, you know, they're 42 and 4. Yeah, they can still come out of this and dig out. But the damage is done. These, those games are valuable games. They could have easily won 100 games this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you're right. The, uh, they blew some games that they, they had in their grasp. Uh, that, and I'm talking bullpen there. Uh, before they showed up the bullpen. And then uh, their extra inning um, efficiency was horrible. They, you'd think a team that... Oh, it's bad. That, that talented offensively, if, if you give them a guy on second, they should be they should be automatically getting one, and then it's talk of how many more are they going to get. Where just... they, they, they struggled. They were horrible. I, I don't know. I think their record in extra innings was like two and something. Like, And they played quite a few games over the, over the course of the season So uh, in, in extra innings. So that uh, is another one where those are obviously close games. You're going to extras, and uh, you're losing them with, with coming away... And I like I, I think it was like thirteen the, the number of games. I could be mistaken. That's but typical where, for the Blue Jays over the last couple of years. Where you know I talk about it, the aggressiveness, the manufacturing a run when you need it, and that translates to this extra innings type stuff. It's the close games and extra innings. And now we have a guy on second, so we should be even more aggressive to manufacture those runs. And I feel like that's the one aspect that, although later in the season I found they were. Mm-hmm. Figuring it out a bit early in the year, they weren't. And I was, I vented about that a few times on the show about their lack of ability to manufacture the runs when need to. I also said the Rays were really good at it. And then I watched them against the Yankees and I said, manufacture a damn run. And they didn't do it. Uh, I, you know what though? I, you bring up a great point in, in the uh, ability to put, like get a runner to the to third, you know, at the very least you should score one in extra yeah. innings at the very least. He's and in scoring saw, position. And we saw Teoscar Hernandez, the, the, the maturity of his game over the course of this season, in the last couple of seasons, but this season, you know, rather than going for, the, uh, going for the fences every single time, in that last series against the Orioles, he went opposite field a couple of times. He, let the, he just went with the pitch rather than trying to destroy it. And uh, I, I thought the team as a whole matured a lot too little too late. But uh, I really thought that the, the team really matured a lot over the course of the season when it came to those things, get manufacturing runs, um, getting players over. Um, I, I like the aggressiveness. I thought there was just there were too many dumb aggressive plays early on, but they really became smarter with their aggression uh, in the playoffs. So anyway, well, <laughs> look, cue the music. <laughs> Which one? All right, here we go. <laughs> That split. <laughs> I gotta wait for the words to come up. First. That split with Minnesota, Mike, losing two. Uh, you know that that it was a four-game series. They lost two. Yeah. They won two. Uh, followed by, uh, I think they just destroyed the Orioles. But then they lose two out of three to the Yankees. I mean, that really s- sealed their fate. I thought, didn't you think? Uh, to me, it was more the Yankee series. Uh, I like that would have been circled on my calendar if I'm uh, if I'm the Blue Jays uh, to set send a message for the postseason and to the AL, uh, the, the entire AL. Uh, so I was a little disappointed with the, the way, uh, the way they played in, in that series. Uh, the, the third game sort of slipped away, but you, you don't want to let it get to a third game. You want to, mm-hmm. you want to go in there two and oh, in my opinion. But uh, uh, 
And yeah, it now you might have a good point. Like maybe by that point, uh, well, see, at that point, I think it was still in their control uh, because they they could uh, at that point they they controlled their own fate. So mm-hmm. Minnesota didn't help uh, for sure. And th- th- there were times like that, like their their one uh, West Coast swing where they played uh, L.A. and Seattle and o- Oakland, maybe. But, they took uh, the thumping. Yeah, they went out there and they couldn't hit. They couldn't do anything. They 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 were. They, I think they lost like uh, six or seven or something. Yeah, uh, and it was ridiculous. Yep. Um, so yeah, it, it, there were definitely times in the year like that, and they certainly didn't pick them well because they were all games that they should win, and they sort of by, by that point needed to. And you, you look at all those t- top teams in the AL East uh, outside of the Rays; they all went through nine, ten game losing streaks. Uh, you know, so the Jays. I'm not like I'm not. We're not dumping on the Jays. I think everybody has a problem uh, uh, with uh, losing streaks over the course of. Um, a long season, but I just thought that if you just get one or two of these games, not I'm not you don't have to go on ten game winning streaks every single uh, every single month, but if you grab one or two of these winnable games, it, it, clearly it'll make a difference at the end, and it would have made the, it would have been all the difference really. So tough one. I Is thought, this not um, a big learning lesson for the young guys now? The say exactly what 100%. you're saying now, but before it was like oh we can catch up or we'll make hey. Now you're seeing that you guys missed out on half yes. a game that you yep. guys could have saved somewhere during the season. So let's smarten up and let's finish what we start in these games. Absolutely. I think, I think part of it too is figuring out, they had to figure out their identity. Like we, we talked about uh, uh, the bullpen struggles and uh, uh, Dr. was saying their aggressiveness and, and getting runs in at certain points. Um, I think part of that is, is figuring out who they were, mm. uh, where their strengths were. Um, and, uh, and by the end of the year, they had it. Uh, and now it's a, uh, a process of uh, maturing and, and being more consistent. I thought it took them too long to get their third base situation under control. Espinal looked really nice. Valera Agreed. came in, played good, uh, but it took too long. And you know the Biggio experiment. I don't know if it was successful, although. But it was, he's clearly he was clearly hurt. Um, so do, you, do we give him another opportunity there? Because I like Biggio. I mean, he came out the other day. It was he was three for four, and he looked amazing. But again, it's one game. Um, I and thought he it took had, too what, long to settle their twenty games rest. Oh yeah, I haven't seen him for like months. But they took too long to get that situation under control and their catching situation. I thought the catching by committee it worked okay, but you know it was too bad that Danny got hurt so early because uh, clearly he separated himself from the other two guys. I found in the last uh, last month and a half. Yeah, whether he can do it over the whole season, and that's the same with the question with Vigio is it, m- more defensively. Can he play third uh, well? Uh, yeah, th- those two questions, I think, are the... I think everything else was sort of figured out. Like, uh, Espinal, he, he can hit at the major league level. So that was the concern, I think, with putting him at third and uh, why they looked elsewhere in Bravich and uh, and, and Biggio. But uh, he, he seemed to, like he hit over 300, uh, you know, in uh, a smaller role, but not limited by any means. Has he earned the right to play next year, third base, to start That's the, the question. That's the question, is if... If Semyon walks and uh, signs elsewhere, and they, they can't bring him back, you've got Biggio, your second baseman, I I think, uh, and who, who's better defensively there? He's sort of a known commodity. And do you go with Espinal, or do you try and get a free agent, or you know? So those are the questions that, that they've got to face now. Um, I think it, it's an excellent fallback, both those guys at those positions. So if you don't do anything, if if you strictly look at pitching and try and address that. It's not you're not in a bad situation. 
And then you've got till mid-year to make a trade, if worst mm. case. So what are you doing? And Reddit, your gut feeling, you have control. What are you doing? I try and get Simeon back uh, because he's, I mean, to lose that offense, what he did, not saying he'd be the same hitter next year. He, he might have a drop-off. He might, you know, uh, the, the average might, might come down, the, the homers. But uh, to lose that, that much offense is going to hurt any team. Mm. And uh, he protects, uh, I think uh, I've said earlier, he protects uh, uh, the leadoff. And um, I, I just think, and defensively, he was, you could argue he's gold lover. Uh, you know, the occasional uh, bad plays. But uh, uh, so, yeah, I, and the leadership role, of course, uh, the, the intangibles. But uh, so I try and bring him back. But having said that, it's, it's, and there's also the other thing working for the Jays is the number of middle infielders available this year through free agency. Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, uh, Javi Baez. These, these, are, these guys are all in his realm. So uh, maybe the, the market's a little watered down and you can get them somewhat cheaper. I doubt it. but uh, So, yeah, that, I try and do that. But the, the bigger priority to me is pitching. So I, I sort of circle Semyon and say, well, look, we'll target him uh, uh, and, and work on uh, addressing both the starting rotation and the uh, bullpen. And one of the things that another thing that they dealt with this year, with my last negative, was the bullpen injuries. Uh, you know, they they signed Kirby Yates one year, five mil. He literally didn't play. I don't did he even play a game, or did he got hurt in the mm-hmm. preseason in the uh, Grapefruit League. Yeah. So he was supposed to be their their uh, closer. That didn't work out. Jordan Romano stepped up to the plate. I thought he did a, an amazing job. Um, he's got the character for it. He's got the velocity. He's got a, a couple of pitches in in his arsenal. But, I mean, they, they dealt with some injuries midseason, and they addressed it. That's great. I mean, for a while we were going with Tyler Chatwood and Delise and, and all these other stiffs. But, you know, by bringing in Soria and, you know, seeing Tim Meza, uh, you know, work his way, uh, way into uh, a, a very effective left-handed uh, reliever. And then, you know, we talk about Romano and Nate Pearson. I mean, their bullpen did a great job second half, but I thought the injuries early on cost maybe, maybe cost them some games. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I, th- I think it did. And, uh, th- you know, uh, Merriweather started the season lights out. Uh, the other fellow was a uh, little guy who was Chatwood? automatic. Was it Tyler Chatwood? Uh, no. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find it out there. But uh, And he was automatic. Uh, you'd bring him in in a, in a one run. Phelps? Phelps, yeah. Mm. He's a free agent. He's yeah, he is. Free agents. Yeah. And, and he was pitching lights out, uh, I think, until June, and he went down. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that injuries are going to happen. Yeah. You hope they're not that long. Like, uh, Merriweather was out, you know, he came back in September, but, uh, missed the majority of the season, obviously. And, uh, those things are happening. They did address it. Was it too little too late? Probably. Uh, 500 was, at the midway point. It's tough. You know? Yeah. And there was a period where, uh, the press was grilling, uh, Montoya, Montoya. And he said, look, I can only put out there the guys that I have. Yeah. So, you know, they were all equally crappy and you know, <laughs> it's like pick your poison so well brock's favorite doing? reliever is the least right brock for sure i uh <laughs> well it's good because yeah, i can catch up on brock's like episodes of things in between his pitches he's he, that's he's right brock's favorite because brock yeah. could put in a roast and uh, yeah. it'd be done by the time <laughs> he was finished but Hey, let, let's quickly go over some positives this year. It, the homers. I mean, uh, the all-time uh, record for the Blue Jays in home runs. I mean, incredible. Uh, seven guys with 20 or more. They had, like, th- what, three guys with 40? Uh, two guys with 40 and three, two other guys with 30. And it was, like, incredible to watch them hit the ball. Uh, Vladdy looked amazing. 
Um, I thought the team got smarter on the bases as the season went on. Um, you could be aggressive, but you could be you have to still can be smart. And I thought they were they got a lot smarter. Hitting with Brock mentioned it, hitting with runners in scoring position, I thought was much improved. Again, they just took advantage of bad Oriole teams, though. I mean, I thought that when they played the really good teams, we saw some of those old habits creep in, you know, not being able to move the runner over and stuff. But right. I mean, trying to go for the, the I, I did find they did a better job of still hitting the home run, but for, again, minimizing the times where they actually are just up at the plate waiting to hit a home run, which was back kind of circa 2015, 16, that kind of range where every time somebody's on, hey, we're not stealing, not whatever, because this guy's going to hit a jack. Okay, he struck out. This guy's going to hit a jack. And it was just like waiting and waiting, and I felt like yeah. the guys were a little bit better at getting the, the bat on the ball and trying to get the ball in play somewhere so that something happens as opposed to a home run or a strikeout. And that's what I could appreciate a little bit more from this Blue Jay team and, and sort of the maturity or um, their abilities maybe just being a little bit mm-hmm. better than, um, than what we'd seen in the past. Yeah, I think they, they definitely had the, the Padre stats night where they'd go up looking to hit a well, home run when they're already up eight of nothing or something. Absolutely. But, uh, but uh, they, there were, I find they're, they're better situational hitters and they make uh, in-game adjustments a little better uh, where they will shorten up their swing. Um, you know, if they're struggling against a guy. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, and, and Brock's right. It was, uh, I think, 2016 or whatever, where all their, almost all their offense came from home runs. It was Absolutely. a long yeah. ball or, or, you know, feast or famine. So, uh, right. yeah, it, and they're, hopefully it just continues from there and they get better and better. And we talked about their defense overall got much better after uh, the second half when they solidified, you know, where they're going to play, basically. We have to talk about two things, I think, that are really, really important in terms of a positives this year. The Vladdy experiment at first was a huge success. There was a lot of speculation. Oh, we're moving him. He's just a kid, and it's going to affect his. Co-. No, he was he was a goal. He potentially a goal Glover at first base. He was awesome. Yeah, very much so. And he, that should be he should be the poster kid for you know doing the doing the off season work. Like he put the work in, and just look what happened. He went from being a not a bust, but you know he definitely wasn't uh, living up to the hype, and to a guy that his MVP caliber. So, uh, yeah, he, 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 like, as you say, he, he completely, uh, did everything he was asked to do on both sides of the ball. I think I signed up for Vladdy's workout app that comes out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> hey, listen, he, you know, he, uh, he looked happy at first. He looked all happy. This talk, you know, all this, uh, yeah, but all this talk about him moving at first and he's not going to like it. And, you know, he's, uh, he wants to play through that. He looked happy there. Like, I mean, that's it, first base is a great place to play. I mean, you're you're a hero if you scoop the ball, and then it's the third base guy's fault if it if he bounces it into the stand. So, I mean, it's your win win at first nine times out of ten. Plus, Vladdy's a character guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's got some individuality, so he gets a chance to like hundred percent socialize on first and and you know little things here and there or whatever. I think he really likes that. So he may yeah. not have. I don't know. Maybe he didn't experience first before, but I think, like you said, he, he fits that first base position perfectly. Uh, and I, I think the second most important thing, actually, this probably be the first most important thing in terms of a positive that the Jays can take back this year, is that, and I'll throw the Rays into this mix, I think the Jays had the best starting pitching in the, uh, in the American League. Uh, yeah, it's an argument they, for it, they, for sure. Once they figured out their starting starters, oh, yeah. when they when they acquired Barrios, it made them legit. 
Like yeah. Ryu, Barrios, Ray, Manoa came out of nowhere. And then you're throwing in Steven Matz, who had a great start to his year, as your fifth starter is pretty good. Yeah, he finished the and season he, strong, too. He just had a great yeah. outing. And then Stripling came in, and, you know, Stripling came in, did a good job when he had to. Uh, you know, I mean, that's they, there's there's a lot to be excited about next year. And we'll get into, right now, we'll, just, we'll quickly get into the next season's priorities, guys. Uh, you know, what are they going to do with Big Nate? No, I'll keep or developing what should they do with Big Nate? But I don't know, like... If... He looks good when he comes out. Like lately, he's looked pretty good. So, but does he, did he just play himself into like a mid reliever sort of role? Or is he still a guy that is young enough to say, you know what, we're going to go back now that you're healthy. And, you know, maybe now you're part of the rotation, depending on who we sign and who we don't sign, and say, now you're back in that starting role. Mike? I think, uh, I think you bring him to spring training and you say, uh, you, you know, you're, you're at a critical point here where you, you got, you're going to define your future. So, you know, have an off season like, uh, like Vladdy. And uh, if you, you want the starters role, you come in, you work, uh, and, and we'll definitely give you that opportunity. Uh, having said that, they're going to go out and acquire guys. Uh, I think they're, I think, you know, they, that's a, a priority for them. Uh, so he'll be competing and where his, where he's best suited, they'll figure that out. Uh, th- there'll also be a period of, of stretching him out because he, he just doesn't have the innings pitch to go from what he did this year to, you know, uh, starting trying to get six or seven. 40. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, there'll, there'll be uh, a, an adjustment period there too, or maybe they shut him down for a bit or, you know, again, depending what his role is. But uh, having said that, if, if, I leave it up to him to, to pave his own way. Well, he's clearly in shape. He looks, he looked good on the mound when he came out. He's visibly uh, smaller, I guess. Uh, with a little more lean muscle, the guy clearly has put in some some work in the weight room. Uh, and he, you know, he topped what 102 miles per. He threw the fastest yeah. pitch in uh, in Blue Jays history a couple nights ago. Mind you, he's coming out of the pen and he's got nothing to lose. But he looked good. I think you, you got to give him an opportunity. Prior to Guerrero coming up, being called up, we were talking about Nate Person as the uh, the blue chipper, as the the prospect to look out for. Is Manoa so, not mean, the best thing to happen to Nate in terms yeah, of that pressure? Sure. And yeah. say, you know what? Yeah, I'm the face. Maybe there's that extra, uh, again, extra added pressure, stress about how he's going to play and, 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 you know, carrying that franchise and, and whatever. Manoa comes in, you know, pitches pretty damn good. Hey. And now, you know, Nate's almost like a, an afterthought. Vladdy's producing, Manoa's there. Now he can just kind of come in and say, you know what? It's not, the focus is not all on me being the savior. I can just come in and do what I'm supposed to do. And yeah. maybe, you know, maybe he's a guy that um, responds to that a bit more. Or, and, or maybe it's the extra challenge of saying, well, now Manoa's doing it, so I'm going to, like, follow his lead as opposed to, like, having that kind of starstruck, shell-struck sort of uh, rookie coming into the league uh, mm-hmm. mentality and say, he's doing it, so I can follow that lead or whatever. I think it's more the, the last point you made. It, it's more of a watch and learn kind of thing. Because Manoa doesn't back down. He, he attacks the zone. He, he goes right after batters. And that's what Pearson has to do, and and he was doing it in the in the relief role. He was he was throwing his heat and saying hit this, like, and that's what that's what he's got to do: get ahead of batters and just go right after them. Don't be hey, listen, we, The summer before the pandemic, we talked about what to look forward to for the Jays, and we talked about we mentioned Manoa as a as a he was only playing an A ball at the time. We mentioned Manoa and Pearson, and how good it will they look as one and one A 
you know, two, three years from now. Well, the, the future is right now. Like, I mean, this could be – if Pearson develops any kind of anything, I mean, he's this is a this is like the wild card to make the Jays really, really good. So we'll see what happens. Let's, uh, let's get right to the main question of the day that everyone's been talking about. So it's going to cost the Jays probably 20, 21 million to resign uh, Marcus Simeon over the course of a couple of years, three, four year contract. I don't know what he's looking for. He made eight, one year, 18 million this year. The market value for a second baseman is about 19, uh, 19, five. He's, he's over the market with his year this year. I mean, he, he earned whatever he's going to make. Do the Jays spend all their assets on bringing back a guy like Simeon who really just bet on himself this year? Um, or do they spread the wealth and hope to resign Ray? Who's more important to resign if they had to choose one, Ricky Ray or Marcus Simeon? I'd go with Robbie Ray. Uh, I address the pitching first. Did I say Ricky Ray? <laughs> Did I say Ricky yeah, Ray? You might have. Yeah. <laughs> Which why they need a quarterback coach? So, yeah. He comes in cheap <laughs> though, at a three hundred fifty <laughs> grand or something like that. <laughs> Red Blacks would be good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but, Robbie, but I go, yeah, I I uh, go with him because he the season he had it's a Cy Young season, uh, and as I say, there there there's other options to Simeon. It's a, it's a it's a fairly significant drop off, but uh, there are other guys that you can put in there, or go out and, and try and acquire. But uh, and then, like I say, worst case, you're going to try and address that midway through the year through trade if something's not working out. Brock. No, I'm all on Simeon. I think that's where we go for. Uh, he has a lot more time left, I think, in the league and at that potentially high level. Um, he brings and solidifies that infield. He's a guy that the young guys can look up to and still follow. He messages really well within the clubhouse. He's not in the, you know, in the dugout or, or in the, um, uh, how's it called? The pitchers warm up. Bullpen? I mean, Ricky Ray, Robbie Ray's not in the bullpen either. Anyway, Pete Walker took this Robbie Ray guy, said, we're going to tighten your pants up and fix you, <laughs> and that's what he did. So is he an anomaly? Is he the only guy out there that can do that? No. I think we can get some others. I think if Nate comes through, all that kind of, you can address, maybe find another uh, diamond in the rough that Walker can kind of work with and go from there. I think Robbie Ray is going to get paid. He's going to have that. If we owned him, I'd say let's trade him and sell him high because I just don't know, you know, does he last that long? Simeon is a guy who comes in. He's going to be the most effective with the Toronto Blue Jays in the lineup that we have because his success and, like you said, his bat is protected by, you know, a plethora of other players who are dangerous at the plate. So that's where he's going to excel, but he also meshes really well with that infield and those young groups, and I think that that's the key. So for me, I'm going Marcus Simeon and I'll look for trying to find the next, you know, Robbie Ray product that we can get, but we have some really good arms to start off with. Well, Robbie Ray made 8 million this year in his final year of the contract and the market for a left-handed starter is about 18. So can they realistically sign these two guys at eight? Let's say, let's say he go Robbie Ray goes for market value, 18 mil and 20 mil. Can they afford these guys for uh, three, four-year contracts together? Yeah. Rogers yeah. made so much money over this pandemic. Why wouldn't they bring them both back? Why couldn't they? Because they're cheap. Is there a cap uh, in baseball? I think if there is, but it's uh, you're not uh, 
held to it. Like there's a luxury tax or whatever you pay when you go over. But having said that, uh, yeah, they, they could probably do it. Um, you know, it, I don't see why not. Like, like Brock said, there it's a billion dollar company. I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm with bro. I'm with you guys. Like, pay, dish it out. This window is going to be for the next three, four, five years potentially until you got to start yes. paying Bichette and uh, and Guerrero, and you got to start right. making some really hard decisions. And that's like the Gur- key. Guriel and Teoscar. I think they're. I'm biased, but I think they're the second best team in the AL uh, East, anyways, for sure. Uh, so you know your window is now. You sign these guys to to compete next year and. Uh, like I say, I think they've sort of figured out their identity and figured out who they are and what they need to do to win. So next year should be a lot more of the 700 baseball as opposed to the, the start of the season. Well, let's Your window is now. The young yes. guys are under contract and playing well and starting to come together. There is a chance that within the next couple of years, Canada gets a second team as well. In which case, mm-hmm. if you're Rogers, you say, you know what, let's capitalize at this particular moment getting this team that has all the, the, the talent, put a couple pieces around and say, let's see what happens with a full season from home. They've already shown what they can do. Get a couple other pieces and say, let's try and make that World Series now because we still have the backing of a full country. We don't have any splits to say, oh, they, all the Expo fans are back and now they want to see them and they're not mm-hmm. coming. You know what I mean? Like there's a the support from a whole <clears throat> nation. Let's just take advantage of that now. Resign the guys. Resign Ray. Ray may, he balances the starting lineup. It's awesome. You got lefty, righty, lefty, right. Like it's perfect. Bring these guys back. Go out and get Correa. Spend the money because you know this is going to be short term. Short term financial pain for long term gain. You're yeah. going to have fans paying top dollar to see this team. Look what the yeah. Yankees field. Their entire lineup outside of Gio Urshela is an all star. They yeah. spend the money. People come and watch. They'll spend big cash. Rogers just you can't be cheap now. If they go the other direction, they might lose guys like me as a fan. If they if they go cheap, and, well, uh, you know, and, sorry. and that's the that's the flip side of the the equation is that you don't want these guys signing for your competitors. So you well, don't want to face it. you don't want to go into a three game series and have to pitch the semi in all three games. So uh, th- there's that incentive as well to to re-sign these guys and rather rather have them playing for you than someone else. Brock, you wrote. Uh, I'm just reading my notes here. You wrote. Did, was it you that wrote? Maybe Donaldson an option at third. Yeah, I really like Donaldson. I miss him. I I really like his. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I liked the way he treated Vladdy and the Jays. How he talked about Toronto. How his wife and kid. Like he still has a house in Toronto. He still. Yeah. You know what I mean. He still has a love of Toronto and his time as a Blue Jay and all that kind of stuff. And to me, he's a good defensive he's player too. A great defensive player, you know. Yeah, he's on the older end, but that's a good mix. Though. You throw a couple of those old guys into a dugout that is full of young, vibrant players that are looking for that next step, and you bring a guy like that in who might be able to solidify that defensive position at third for a while. Um, and God, I, I just think he's a guy you jump at if there's an opportunity. So I put that in there because to me, you know, again, the third base is always something that we've been talking about. I think Espinal's done a great job. Um, and I think he's also probably earned um, a shot at least competing for it. Yeah. But a guy like Donaldson who may want that like comeback hometown discount sort of whatever. And he's again, he's not going to be the same cost as some of the other guys would be looking at. I think he would fit in really well. 
Yeah, and these guys protect each other in the lineup, and that's Simeon's going to make a huge mistake if he goes somewhere else without the kind of lineup that he sees with the Jays because he got pitches to hit, you know, and it's not going to happen that way. And if Donaldson came back, imagine throwing Donaldson at the seven or eight spot. Like, it's right? crazy, you know. But, you know, totally affordable. And another guy that came up today, Mike, was uh, Marcus Stroman. He mentioned he had said something in the media about, you know, uh, I would I would not shy away from a reunion. Uh, what do you think about a guy like that? Sorry, we're running out of time here with the Jays, but uh, yeah, and I'll keep it brief. I, I I wouldn't sign either either guy. Donaldson oh, okay, or, all right. Uh, Donaldson or Stroman, okay. uh, you just went with. It. <laughs> so, and uh, that's it, fellas. I'll see you later. All right, and uh, uh, you guys are idiots. Bye. Uh, no, I just to me you, you, the the thing about the Jays right now is the chemistry. <laughs> the chemistry is so good. You don't yeah. want to rock that boat. And those are two big personalities. Uh, Strowman's so a big reason. personality. And I totally agree with you. And that would be my one downfall with Strowman. Again, I was a fan of Strowman when he was the J, but his, his character and stuff may not mesh with the way that the Blue Jays aura right now kind of thing. But I think Donaldson does. I, I, How cool I, would it be to see Manoa and Stroman on back-to-back nights? <laughs> I think Stroman cool. would fire like Manoa's like that guy that seems he's on the cusp of like losing his marble sometimes and like getting yeah. too far into it. And Stroman would be like, "Yeah, yeah, go get him, go get him." He'd be like that little guy, like, "Yeah, pitch out, I like it, hit him, I like it." Uh, you know I what I mean? Too, uh, we only saw the tip of the iceberg with Manoa. I think uh, there'll be as he gets uh, more comfortable. Better and challenge more, yeah, and, and and more comfortable. I think he beamed uh, guys. He beamed a couple of guys in the last month and a half with, like, yeah, he, you know, yeah. He has history with Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's but awesome. having uh, I, the Donaldson thing for me, there's enough out there, uh, info out there that uh, sort of leads you to believe that. Now, having said that, there's there's the opposite info too, where where um, I know there was a guy that lost his job covering the Jays, and Donaldson mm. reached out to him. Didn't have to do that. You know, you know, he no longer played for the Blue Jays at that point. Yeah. Uh, to say, hey, that's, that's too bad. What I was the other news? Uh, yeah, there was an article from an old teammate that, uh, or uh, he was mentioned talking about Donaldson and said, no, that's not a guy you want on your team and whatnot. Was that a Blue Jay um, teammate? And, yeah, he was teammates with him in the Jays, yeah. I can't remember. I think it was Tapera, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me. Who? Get out of here. Let's get Donaldson back in here. Hey. The, the other thing with Donaldson coming back with the, the whole trade of jerseys thing, it seemed like a guy who didn't have a place to call home anymore. Does, Donaldson? That makes sense. Yeah. So 100%. he's like, it was almost like, uh, I have no friends because I, I alienated oh, myself de- from depressing. everybody's. Shut <laughs> <Just laughs> <up> the music. <laughs> I have no friends. I can't find anywhere to play. No one will play with me. So I'm going to trade jerseys. It's been a long time. Keep going. Oh, I can't talk okay. the <laughs> the Let's put him in the spotlight. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, listen, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the other uh, FAs that the the, Rays, uh, the Jays have to make decisions on. Steven Matz, one year, five mil. Sign him. On him. Sign him. Corey yep. Dickerson, he was making nine mil this year. I don't think he'll make that much, but uh, he was a great. He played really well. Sign him. They're better. Nine they're, mil? They need left. He's not getting bats, nine mil. But... You say he's not going to get nine mil. Sign. He's him. not going. He he signed for nine point five. I mean, I don't know who paid him that, but uh, but hey, he was excellent. Uh, Kirby Yates, you even sniff him back if he's healthy. No, okay. And then there's uh, we got uh, Joaquin Soria, who's going to be a hundred years old. 
Rafael Dolis and Jared Dyson. Those are the other free agents that the Jays have to make some decisions no, on. No, no, no. And I think you said Kirk. No. You didn't say Kirk. Kirk is, Kirk is no. not okay. a free agent, but uh, no. not a fan. <laughs> not a. So anyway, that, that's our Blue Jays postmortem. Uh, 2021 season. I'm so sad that we're not going to be talking about some playoff baseball with them, but uh, it is what it is. I'm cheering for the Sox because I hate the Yankees. I'm not a huge fan of the Sox either, but I know enough great guys who like the Sox that uh, I'm going to cheer for them tonight. Ooh, um, that was a straight shot to anybody you know who's a Yankee fan. Do you like? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> My friends that I like better like Boston. <laughs> Mike, who do you got? Uh, Let's thank producer Mike for checking in and uh, his valuable input. Uh, always a pleasure, man. Who do you got, That's Mike? Awesome. Tonight's game? Yeah. Uh, I will go with the Yankees just based on Gary Cole. Because you have friends and, like uh, the Yankees better? Yeah, he hasn't pitched well, though. He hasn't pitched well. He's a gamer. He'll get up for it. Okay, in my opinion. <laughs> that was Mike. Mike's got a, we got in a my counter, opinion counter. counter. Yeah. Do I have one? Do I say that? You said it a couple times, and I was trying to get you to say it another time. Just to bring it up, but in my opinion. <laughs> well, in my opinion, I'm, I'm out. Not. All right, my friend. All right. Later, guys. <laughs> oh. All right, Brock. Uh, cue, up the, uh, cue up the NFL. We're going to talk quickly NFL to end the show here. The NFL. Dun, dun, dun. God, I love this. The, the, tr- <laughs> the trombone. <laughs> hey, Urban Meyer. Great job, buddy. What a tire fire in Jacksonville. Uh, let, me quick, yeah, let me quickly break this down for you, Brock. He didn't fly back with the Jags after they lost to Cincy. I know. Uh, rather than that, he decided to stay where he was, uh, and he wore his Ohio State gear to a bar. Not to a bar, <laughs> to his own Urban Meyer Steakhouse. Oh, is that what it was? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> Urban Meyer something. Yeah, it's his restaurant. And he he got caught hanging out with some young girl who decided to... Was, there's some video of him grinding up uh, against them. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, he knew her or not or if there was a setup. And then he, the worst part about it is when they called him on it the next day, he lied about the whole thing. And now the owner came out and said, uh, our coach has a lot of uh, uh, trust building to do with our team and our organization. That is that just like... Fancy talk for like we're gonna we just gotta figure out a way to fire this guy. That's just fancy talk to protect the owner's uh, ass to a point. You know what I mean? Like it's just to protect his uh, his look. You know what I mean? Like what people think of him. Oh yeah, gotta whew, gotta. He doesn't care. What he wants is wins or losses. If Urban Meyer is winning, he is not getting fired because Over. some college. Student was using his lap and she thought it was a bar stool. Whatever. <laughs> now, he didn't look too unhappy, though, I don't think. You know, there are owners, you know, Urban Meyer, I think, is welcome in the Robert Kraft uh, one because that's right up his, his alley, you know, <laughs> but he's not getting rid of Belichick right now because he's winning. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't want to unfairly dump on Urban Meyer because I'm sure this kind of stuff happens everywhere all the time. He just got caught. But when you're a rookie coach, it's just a bad look. You know, it's just a bad look. If they're a young team, they're impressionable. And uh, did you anticipate him not having this kind of early success with the young team? I, it just Was it because the franchise is so bad? Or uh, as a college coach, do you think he'd come in and maybe have a bit more success? 
It's a. Or is the jury still out? I mean, the jury's out. I thought Jacksonville played pretty well against Cincinnati. Hey, they um, were up 14 zip. Well, that's pretty well. These are professionals. These are, you know, he's got a team that is led by a very young quarterback, first year. Their second Who pick. Who I really like, by the way. Yeah. Their second pick, you know, is on the IR all season. So that was supposed to be, you know, somebody to really boost their backfield. Etienne. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I think it'd be unfair to sort of judge him on the first year. It's it's to be expected. You're You're going to have road bumps like that. And then he's a college coach coming to the NFL, which history has said is not the easiest thing to do. I mean, the greatest college football coach in history. Yeah. Chris Couture. I'll say it fine. The best college coach did not do that great in the NFL either. He was not very good, you know? So it's a, it's a total different game. College is all about recruiting. You pick your players or whatever. Um, You know, when you're coaching in the, in the NFL, like your GM, He's a rookie guy. The GM's making those calls for the most part. Like he's the one that determines whether or not you're getting a player. Can you afford him? Can you whatever? It's not just recruiting the best players and making the best out of what you have. Um, everybody's good in the NFL, and it's just a matter of you know, can you talk to them? These pros, when he says, "Oh, they, he owes an apology to the team and stuff like that," these guys don't care what the coach does on his own time. I really don't <laughs> believe they do. <laughs> As long as he gets the like job Urban done. I have a love-hate relationship with Urban Meyer. Um, you know, he brought me a lot of joy a few uh, about 15 years ago. Um, and then a lot of misery where he left us high and dry. I honestly believe Urban Meyer is one of the best recruiters in college football. And I think Florida is where Alabama is right now if Urban Meyer had stayed with Florida. Won two national championships in like the span of three years. They were recruiting at a very high level. You know, mm-hmm. if he was able to control his guys a little bit better, um, you know, maybe it's the disciplinarian uh, type thing that Saban has. I don't know. But, you know, you get past some of these guys, the Aaron Hernandez's and, um, you know, other guys that have these off the Pouncy brothers, even all the off field activity, if he can kind of rein that in, he was a damn good recruiter. And mm. if you win, if you win big, you're on the biggest stage, your recruiting is half done for you. You just got to show interest in some of these players and they will commit to you and the ball rolls. So you, that's what Alabama's done so well. Urban Meyer would have done that with Florida. So to me at that point, that's the hate part for me mm-hmm. is that he pulled the shoot and ended up back, uh, ended up in Ohio State, did very well in Ohio State too. Um, but I really feel like Florida's in that Alabama conversation for an extra eight years, whatever it is, before Bama took it back. And, uh, you know, so that's my hate. Mm. It's funny you mentioned Saban as an NFL coach. If uh, there's one, a football life that I, I really enjoy watching because I kind of liked the Cleveland Browns when I was in high school, was the uh, the ninety. It's the it's I think it's called the ninety four Cleveland Browns. That's the title of the Is NFL. Is that where Belichick and football. Saban were coaching together? Belichick's coaching tree is is very impressive, and mm. the guys that came from that coaching uh, realm working under him, uh, Saban was one of them. And uh, Anyway, all that to say, if you want to watch a, a football life uh, that I found really interesting, was it was the year that the Cleveland was uh, was basically they were a Super Bowl favorite, and they ended up going four and twelve because they found out they were they were leaving for Baltimore the next year. It's a really interesting one. Anyways, um, this week that just passed, 
Uh, we're starting to see some of the creme de la creme rise to the top here in the NFL. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals remain undefeated, uh, and they look really impressive in doing so, beating the L.A. Rams. So we got a comment. That's Chris Couture. I know it is. He doesn't accept the thing, but oh. praising Alabama. Love it, by the where's way. Where's my, my hat? hat? I right, have it. Chris. It's right here. You know where I live. You know my number. Give me Go a get text. your hat. That's yeah. the one I wanted. Go get it, though. It's yours, buddy. Yeah, um, it. So, very impressive win. You've been talking about Matt Stafford and L.A. Rams. Uh, that was, I mean, Arizona went in there and whipped their butts. Yeah, I was wrong. I really thought that the Rams would be the team in what they've shown so far um, to pull that out. Now, again, you know, the Rams just came off a pretty big win beating the Bucs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you get up for a game, the next one is overshadowed a bit. And maybe that's mm-hmm. what happened. But kudos to the cards. I think I picked the cards to do pretty well, or at least really flip the script this year. I didn't think they'd be four and zero, but um, I mean the cards are the cards are playing. Kyler Murray is oh, fun next, to watch. Next level. His, I mean, Mighty Mouse type stride, like just like constant around the field. Yeah. Some of the throws he makes. I mean, it's nice to see guys like AJ Green, you know, participating in the offense as you know in Green, any sort of. Six. Six three, six four. Not a bad second option. <clears throat> Not a bad second option. I mean, he's been hurt for a bunch of times, and you just haven't seen him produce or even well, on I the field for the longest time. I saw him in the north. I'll tell you that right now. Even yeah, but he was out for like the last Two couple years. years with Cincinnati. He was out quite a bit. Yeah. So and you guys lucked out on that. But anyway, I mean, Arizona, hey, they look good. And uh, I think Arizona has Seattle this weekend. I, I want to well, – that's a game that we're going to talk about. Um AFC North, Cincy, Cleveland, Baltimore, all three and one. Pittsburgh sitting at one and three. I'm not going to go into a whole spiel away. We don't have the time, but B, I'm right. just going to get myself frustrated. But for those of you who are saying this is on Ben, you're not watching the games. It's not on Ben. It, it, is, has Ben lost a step? 100%. He, he'll be the first to tell you he's not the, the quarterback he was, but his arm is still fine. He made some really nice throws. And the receivers can't run any any uh, patterns. They can't run a post. They can't run a corner. They don't run sharp outs. They can't even run a sluggo. I mean, uh, Schuster stopped running on two of those on those of those seam pl- uh, passes that Could were you right in throwing his hand. out sluggo. Yeah, man, run the sluggo route there, bud. <laughs> he he short armed it. I mean, it, these are these are plays. are chemistry plays. It's a lack of uh, of preseason games, I think, or or practice with the first team units. I think that's what we're seeing here with the Steelers and. Uh, uh, it's not on Ben. I think their receiving core is so awfully under overrated. Sorry, um, they're not that good, including Claypool. They're just not that good. Will they develop into being good? I don't know. You are what you are. Um, did you see? Speaking of the North, did you see what Baltimore did to Denver? Um, three seconds left. The game's in hand. Baltimore has the ball. I mean, you take a knee, it's over. They're up sixteen. Right. And um, it's, it wasn't Ben's fault. Okay. And. Um, they ran a, a, like a, a half sweep, so they could so Baltimore could get. I think they have this crazy streak of uh, 100 yard rushing games, consecutive uh, rushing games. So they ran the ball so they can get that three yards, so they could break the 100 yard mark. Uh, Vic Fangio, the head coach of Denver, just lost it. It's, this is what I this is what I expect from that franchise. No one's surprised by that kind of play. What are your thoughts on Baltimore just having to take a knee with three seconds left, a game in hand, 
running a sweep so they could get a few extra yards to keep the streak going. That's dumb. Honestly, it is it's dumb. The only way that I condone that kind of action is if there was uh, a player, the running back needed three yards to meet his quota, which then gave him an extra half million dollars now you're or, or something like that. You say, you know what, right. we're going for it because there's a direct, you know, we want to help him out. We're right. going to get to that. You know, you need 10 yards catching to get your bonus. You need whatever, fine. In a meaningless game and you're trying to get those things, hey, there is not one single person in the professional ranks who is going to knock you for trying to do that. That being said, if this means nothing and it's just a record that you want to keep an active streak for, again, unless there's some monetary value attached to it from the owner saying, oh, if you keep it going or whatever, otherwise it's garbage. Yeah, total garbage. And you know what? If it was a player needing three yards to make, uh, I don't know, 10,000 yards for his career and he's, he's going to leapfrog a couple of guys, you tell the coach prior to the game, hey, listen, if we get to a situation where we're up and Buddy needs five yards – are you okay with us running it? Like, you know, there's a these teams can communicate like that, and I just thought that was greasy. Uh, Actually, Chargers. you know what I want? Jock Climey golfed with Jock a couple times. He apparently didn't know it, but he's 40 yards short of like 10,000 receiving yards. He said, hey, huge throw, milestone. The, throw the pads on and just get out there for a couple of first down catches. There's a team in Ottawa that could use a slot receiver, I think. Uh, yeah, I suggested that, and and he said nobody can get the ball to me. <laughs> anyway, well, Chargers look for real. Uh, I thought they were they're starting to come into their own. I mean, hey, listen, they're a uh, divisional game against the Raiders. Yeah. So they sit at three and one. Raiders three and one. Broncos three and one, and the Chiefs two and two somehow are the last place in that division. It means nothing. I think the Chiefs will ultimately yeah. win that division. The Washington Nationals but. are up 5-1 against the Sox. We all know what's going to happen. <laughs> Kansas City is not finishing last in that division. Uh, Buffalo destroyed Houston. Um, I still think the Texans and Jags will fight for the toilet bowl after seeing, and this is the next question, what was more impressive, the Jets beating the Titans or the Giants going into New Orleans and beating the Saints? The Jets beating the Titans? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was the Jets are the worst was, team was, in the NFL. That was my lock. That was also God, the reason. It's the pep jinx. I'm telling you, uh, Dallas looks for real. What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't go for real. They looked better. Atlanta just can't win a close game <laughs> ever since the Super Bowl. What is is that franchise snake bitten or what's the deal? Yeah, they are snake bitten. <laughs> <laughs> Picture, what's the owner's name? Jim, whatever. Or not Jim, but he's on the <laughs> sidelines. Slow so motion, sad. him holding his girlfriend's hand. Watch. <laughs> score so and score and score. Um, that's so perfect. Yeah, yeah, they're they're 100% jinxed at that point. Uh, all right, let's get into, really quickly, the last segment here. Just some notable games for this week, and maybe I'll, I'll ask your opinion on what, who you think is going to win. Uh, I was going to get into the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers are a little bit overrated personally. Um, I think they're a lot older, and they're going to start showing their age as the season goes on. Rams-Seahawks, huge game, huge game. If the Rams lose, they go 3-2, and two, and suddenly they're kind of back to Matt Stafford world, um, you know, being 500 or whatever. Who do you got in this game? I mean, it should be a bounce back, but it's in Seattle. and I Yeah, and it, Seahawks. I don't bet against Seattle when they're at home. I went off a big win against, against Russell Wilson at home. Now, Trey Lance looked pretty good in that 49ers game, and 
maybe they win that game if he starts the whole thing. I'm curious to see we, what's going to be happening there. But uh, that's going to be tough. Uh, Russell Wilson is also very good. And I, I think, I don't know, it's hard to take uh, anybody against Seattle when you're in Seattle. So I'll take Seattle. I, I'm going to think Seattle's on there. Rams are minus two and a half, so it's going to be a tight game. I got Seattle. I got Seattle winning that game, and I got the Rams kind of coming back to earth after going 3-0. and uh, Is that your lock? Novelty. I just want to know That's if I should lock. bet on the Rams. That is not my lock. Okay. Um, that is not my lock. I'll, I'll, I have a couple locks I can uh, mention later. Buffalo and KC. In KC. In KC. On those airs, I'll usually go for the home team. Um, so I'm going to take KC. I mean, Buffalo looks good, but again, KC has more urgency to win right now than the Bills do. Well, you know, I think this is a battle of the teams that are going to represent the uh, AFC in the championship game myself. Josh Gordon, they just re-signed, they just signed him and they just elevated him from the practice squad, so he's probably going to get some reps. We'll That's with KC, right? That's KC. Yeah, yeah so, so he's going to be playing. So if Tyreek is the wide, yeah, he's going to be playing <laughs> decoy is what he's going to be doing. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. Browns at Chargers. This is a really nice game. If the, the Buffalo KC games one uh, A or, or or one, this has got to be one A. What do you think? Who you got for the, in the Browns at Chargers? Uh, Chargers will look pretty good. Uh, again, that, that's that's hard. Although Browns, you know what, I'll take the Browns. Win in Minnesota. I'm gonna take the Browns. I if like they the can Browns establish their run control- game. Well, they can control the clock, and that's exactly what they did against Minnesota. It was they won fourteen seven in mini, uh, and they looked their defense was all over the place. I mean, that's a good defense in Cleveland. So we're going to see just how good Mister Herbert is. I think um, Green Bay at Cincy. Uh, Green Bay. I think it's a trap game for uh, if, if this could possibly be a trap game for an underdog. But I think I think since he comes in and uh, loses, I think Green Bay is going to take this one on the road. And then we've got you know here's Denver at Pitt. I think uh, the Boobers will come out early if Pitt can't move the ball, and it could get ugly. This is a must-win for Pitt. They can't if they go one and four, we're going to start talking about the backup QB. Uh, if they go two and three, they got three of the next four at home. They can kind of dig out a little bit here. But if they go one and four, it's it's big trouble. So who do you got? Denver versus Pitt in Pitt. Teddy Bridgewater concussed questionable that's the only thing that is providing any hesitation in terms of who i'm picking if he's out i'll take the steelers at home again it's an urgent boy yeah hey i hope there's a jinx involved the breakfast the basement breakfast bowl who you got jets or falcons this is at 9 30 a.m because it's one of those games overseas who's that sorry the The jets Jets and and falcons oh what a stinker Hey, you're eating your frosted flakes and you're watching this game at 9.30 in the morning. You're excited the football's on and then you realize, yeah, this is not really great football. <laughs> well, like a Falcons minus three, two one and three teams. Matt Ryan on his way out. Zach Wilson in, but is he on his way up? I don't know. I got the Falcons in that one just because I feel so bad for them. Yeah, just, I think the Falcons. So tough to watch. Them. Yeah. I'll take the Falcons as well. I just think the Jets are just bad. Even though they beat Tennessee, I think they're bad. I'm going to give you my quick lock of the week here once I find the schedule. Here All right, so if anybody wagers money on these games, so I know at least one guy who's watching is a gambler. <laughs> if Pep locks something down, take you bet opposite. against it. 
Who you got? Right. Who's I your lock of the week? Schedule here. Where is this thing here? Okay, here we go. Uh, lock of the week. Oof. My lock of the week. I'm again. I. I'm gonna go with uh, the Titans on the. Uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Titans come out. That's my lock this week. After losing to the Jets on the road, they're going to go to Jacksonville and beat a hot mess tire fire right now. With all the chaos and the drama, I think Jacksonville is distracted. I think Tennessee's, pardon my language, pissed off. What, I, you know, they, they played this game without uh, Julio Jones and the, their outside receiver, the other outside receiver. My lock of the week is Tennessee again, back-to-back weeks. What did Tennessee do to you? Do you have a Do you have a friend who's a Tennessee fan? Are you doing this on purpose, dude? I like the I like their offense. I like the fact that they run the ball first. I'm an old school guy. I, I like I like that. I thought I just I like their offense. I like what they do. If they had any kind of weaponry on the outside, they would have beaten uh, the Jets, but they didn't. So they couldn't throw the ball against the Jets. It was sad. Well, they had two pretty key injuries. Yeah. So if, they, if one of those two guys is back, that's my lock of the week. Sorry, Jacksonville. Tire fire. All right, so Jacksonville gets their first dub. And first dub. And first. who's your oh, – what? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> See, you're ready. You're going back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to – if I'm going to lock it, I think I'm going to lock it. It's easy to go like Patriots against the Texans because the Texans are horrible. But I think I'm going to take the Cowboys against the Giants. I think I'm going to lock the Cowboys mm, in. Interesting. That'll be my lock at 425 p.m. Been- on Sunday. Thoroughly unimpressed with the New England Patriots uh, offense. They're sitting at one and three now. I know they had some tough games, but uh, Mac Jones does not look good. Happy feet. He's hey, give him some time. I think he's going to be fine. I think that system is going to cater to him. He's going to figure out his identity. They're going to start to put things together, get a couple other pieces. But in the meantime, uh, it's going to be a rough season for them. All right. Uh, I think that's it. We're uh, just over Raptors, the baby. hour. The Raptors. What's that? Ooh, uh, they look why good. The... Why they're playing already? They play. They had their first preseason game against Philly yesterday, and they won by twenty. And uh, it's nice that they have a they have a home. The, the same thing as the Jays. They played half a season last year with no home. They're back home. They're uber talented. Lots of wingspan. They're going to be fun to watch, folks. Mark my words. They're going to be top five team in the East. I love it when okay. you say, mark my words, and you get all digital. Mark my okay. words, and, you're, and then you're off. <laughs> I, we heard it. We heard it. We don't have to say it again. I'm, it's too soon for hockey and basketball. Football's just getting going. It is too soon, but that's it. Jays are out. We are moving into week five of the NFL. Tune in next week, and we'll see what sad music we have for you then and see what happens. But in the meantime, we're going back out to this. It's going to be just a little bit longer, but this is the song we're going out to. We missed the Jays already. Thanks for tuning Love in. Boys. Love you, boys. <laughs> it's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. Damn, who knew all the planes we flew, good things we've been through. 
that I'll be standing right here talking to you about another path. I know we love to hit the road and laugh, but something told me that it wouldn't last. Had to switch up, look at things different, see the bigger picture. Those were the days, hard work forever pays. Now I see you in a better place. Uh, how do we not talk about family when family's all that we got? Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side. And now you gon' be with me for the last ride. Without you, my friend And I'll tell you all about it When I see you again, see you again. We've come a long, way yeah, we a long way From where we began you know we Oh, I'll tell you all about it When I see you again we'll tell you. When I see you again 